it was empowering to a certain extent to think about the autonomy that I have over my life. It's incredibly energizing uh, to think about your life and to think about the ways that you have control over it and that you have this sense of autonomy, especially if you're coming from a place where your mental health has been bad. That's an incredibly empowering thought. But a lot of us will make an overcorrection. A lot of this, a lot of us will take this thought too far. And instead of taking a decent amount of responsibility for our lives, and instead of taking a decent amount of responsibility for the things that happen to us, a lot of us will tip too far into blame. We will take responsibility for things that we are fundamentally not responsible for. And one of the things that that can damage us and upset us and, and influence us in inordinate ways is taking too much responsibility for structural problems. So what does this all mean in the context of suicidality? I'm, talk I'm talking about a hundred different things here. What, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that if you experience suicidal thoughts or if someone you know experiences suicidal thoughts, I don't think they can be blamed for that. Welcome to Solving Suicide, the podcast on a mission to deepen understanding, share solutions and zero the death rate. I'm your host Alice Lyons and having experienced suicidal feelings in my adolescence and early 20s, I'm passionate about creating spaces where we can explore suicidality and prevention together with bravery, curiosity and maybe a bit of awkwardness as well. Because conversations like this are never easy, but they're too important not to have. Let's do this. This episode is brought to you by Dark Coffee, getting your work and well-being working better together. Because when you feel great, you'll do great things. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to Solving Suicide. Today, I'm bringing you another one of my quick fix episodes. These episodes are designed to be shorter than the average, definitely shorter than the interview episodes. And what I'm doing is just bringing you individual ideas that I have and that others have around suicide prevention and how we can quickly and effectively <laughs> solve suicide. Why not? No, um, the aim here is not to solve suicide in these episodes. The aim is really to give you some individual pieces to consider if you yourself are experiencing suicidal thoughts or if you're supporting someone else who does. And it's just one idea for you to go away and ruminate on in a positive way, <laughs> meditate on, if you will. And um, and hopefully it will help you to to see the suicidal thoughts in a different way or to see your mental health in a different way hopefully to help you along. Now, these episodes are obviously not meant for if you're in a state of very extreme emotional crisis. Um, I will put some links in the show notes to support you or, or act as a point of research for you if that is you. So to get to the show notes, have a look at this episode and you'll see a little bit of text explaining what I'm talking about today. There'll be a button there or somewhere in that region that says see more or something to that effect. Click that and a bigger body of text will appear and you can see the links and the information there. So if you're not listening today, thank you so much for your time. And I hope to have you back here another time. I was going to say see you back here, but that's not what uh, an audio medium is for. Um, but if you are carrying on, I'd like to introduce today's topic, which is why suicidal thoughts are not your fault. This is quite a big claim. <laughs> and um, it might be something that immediately people might bulk at and be like, well, of course, we're responsible for the thoughts that we have in our head. But I'd like to dive into a little bit more about why I don't believe that to be the case and why other people might agree with me on this. This topic was originally pushed to the front of my mind off the back of the conversation that I had in the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, I had a conversation with Sam Cook, who is a men's, um, what do I call him, a mental health expert? He's more of a um, 
God, words, come on. <laughs> He's a, a hormone expert, for lack of a better phrase. So he specializes in supporting men with testosterone deficit and how this affects their mental health, particularly leading to suicide ideation. And one of the things that we spoke about was the fact that there are a complex range of factors that contribute to suicidality. And one of the observations that we can make of this is that therefore it's not our fault necessarily that we experience suicidal thoughts. And this also ties into a, a passage that I was reading recently, or a, a whole book actually <laughs> that I was reading recently, which I highly recommend to you, which is called Stolen Focus. Stolen Focus is written by a journalist called Johan Hari. Um, I really rec recommend another book that he's done, which is all around mental health, which is called Lost Connections. Had a mind blank there. Lost Connections is it's one of those books that will really make you think differently about mental health. I fully, fully recommend that. He talks about depression and the causes of depression. And he goes on this massive adventure where he goes to speak to um, professionals and he collates a load of research. It's very, very well researched from, in my opinion, very well referenced. And he references a lot of the research and things that he, um, that he read in contributing to that book. But the upshot of that book is that, our mental health or poor mental health can be attributed to a, a sense of a loss of connection to things that are important to us as human beings. So a loss of connection to ourselves, a loss of connection to our community, a loss of connection to the natural world. These are all things that um, in order to improve our mental health, Johan Hari asserts that we should try and reconnect to these things. So Stolen Focus is his newest project and it's about the attention or loss of attention that a lot of us feel. A lot of us feel like it's really difficult for us to focus for any long duration of time. And he goes on a, an, another expedition to find out why this might be. And one of the biggest things that he talks about are the structural things that are in place that are acting on us every single day. So for instance, one of the things he talks about a lot is big tech and the influence that big tech companies have on our everyday lives. So everything from our smartphones and the apps that we use to social media, um, and even down to things like banking and the economic structure, big tech controls a lot of these things that are acting on our lives. So one of the observations that we can make from this and one of the observations Hari and his, um, the people that he interviews picks up on is the fact that all of these structures are acting on us in such significant ways every single day of our lives. And yet often when it comes to things like managing our finances, for example, our default, a lot of us, is to blame ourselves. We experience a problem and we say, well, I must be the problem. There's something that I'm fundamentally doing wrong. There's something that I need to get a handle on and we'll self-criticize. And there are a lot of sources that are encouraging us to do this as well. If we look on social media, if we're following any kind of pop psychologists, actually, let's not blame psychologists. I think there are a lot of really good psychologists on social media, but the self-help industry, for example, if you consider yourself a fan of the self-help industry, I definitely was a fan of the self-help book industry for a very long time, especially when I was kind of coming off of the back of my breakdown. Um, I did find it quite useful and it was it was empowering to a certain extent to think about the autonomy that I have over my life. It's incredibly energizing uh, to think about your life and to think about the ways that you have control over it and that you have this sense of autonomy, especially if you're coming from a place where your mental health has been bad. That's an incredibly empowering thought. But a lot of us will make an overcorrection. A lot of this, uh, a lot of us will take this thought too far. And instead of taking a decent amount of responsibility for our lives, and instead of taking a decent amount of responsibility for the things that happen to us, 
a lot of us will tip too far into blame. We will take responsibility for things that we are fundamentally not responsible for. And one of the things that that can damage us and upset us and, and influence us in inordinate ways is taking too much responsibility for structural problems. So what does this all mean in the context of suicidality? I'm, talk, I'm talking about a hundred different things here. What, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that if you experience suicidal thoughts or if someone you know experiences suicidal thoughts, I don't think they can be blamed for that. To give an example, we are living in a cost of living crisis at the moment. One of the most stressful things that many of us will experience in our lifetime is financial difficulty. So if you are feeling stressed about money and if you feel that your lifestyle has been affected by the cost of living crisis and if the worry about paying your bills and looking after your family and actually having a lifestyle and saving for a house, if all of these stressful factors are acting on you day in and day out, then the chances are, <laughs> I'm not going to say that you feel suicidal, but the chances are it is affecting your mental health. For some people that will include thoughts of suicide it's bound to happen. And I don't doubt that that will increase during a cost of living crisis because these financial systems act on all of us and the impact of that will act on all of us. So when the dial is turned up on that, it kind of stands to reason that we'll feel it more viscerally and it will affect us more. So the self-help crowd might try and convince you that, well, you're fully responsible for your circumstances. If you are experiencing financial difficulty you need to take the ball by the horn you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you need to figure out a way through this everybody can be a self-made millionaire in this day and age you just need to hustle a bit harder you just need to work a little bit more you just need to think your way through the problem hey why not pay ten thousand pound and come on my course where i teach teach you how to be a millionaire etc there are a lot of people who will try and convince you that you are the problem and therefore you are the solution to whatever is going on in your life but I'm here to tell you that the science says otherwise. <laughs> there is a really large um, bank of evidence in the scientific community um, to support something called the biopsychosocial model. This doesn't just apply to mental health. It goes broader. But let's talk about it in the context of suicidal thoughts for today to try and keep a focus. The biopsychosocial model, I think I brought this up in the interview with Sam Cook, but anyway, <laughs> you're going to hear about it a lot in these conversations going forward. The biopsychosocial model is an inter kind of disciplinary approach to many, many things around our health. But what it does is if you imagine a Venn diagram, you've got three little bubbles that are interconnected, biological, psychological and social. The model was created in the 70s. I think it was 1977. But the idea is that these three areas will impact all of our health, including our mental health. So there are biological factors, which is about how your body operates. It's about how you naturally came into this world, as well as the environmental factors and things that have in influenced your biology since then. Psychological factors, which are pretty similar, <laughs> but relating specifically to the brain, how you're wired, your neurology, um, things that can influence your brain, again, both when you were born and throughout your lifetime and then social this is so interesting to me when I learned about this model it blew my mind because I was like this explains so much of the frustration and the difficulty we have in not only diagnosing mental health problems but in just functioning and maintaining our mental health 
because the social part of the equation looks at these environmental factors outside of our own bodies, outside of our own minds. These are the influences of just living in a society with other people and how they impact our health, because a lot of us are products of our environment. The things that go on around us, the people we interact with, the society that we are a part of, that will impact our health. And it can be in positive ways and it can be in negative ways. We see evidence of this all around us. How often will it be that you look at someone with um, who's come from a very deprived area, for instance, if they've come from a deprived area where there is very limited access to healthcare or there's limited access to education, if there are limited opportunities, they are so much more likely to have health problems than people that come from a very affluent background. If you came from a family where money is no object and you're able to go to a private school, you're able to be privately educated, you're able to get private healthcare, the chances are that your health will be much better because you have access to opportunities. You have access to things that will help you. That doesn't necessarily mean it's always the case. And that doesn't mean that people who grow up in very well-funded areas will always have better health, better, better mental health. There are lots of social factors uh, that come into play like the quality and depth of your personal relationships. If you don't feel like you're a part of the community that you're in, or if you don't feel like you have friends, that is going to adversely affect your health, including your mental health. It's not all about money, but that is a very large factor. So again, bringing this all back to suicidality and suicidal thoughts, if we think about the fact that there is a biological and a psychological and a social impact acting on us at any one time, is it any wonder that we experience suicidal thoughts? A lot of the time, again, this came up in the conversation that I have with Sam, a lot of the time we will have suicidal thoughts to help us process the things that we're going through. And it can appear to us that it's a simple solution, in air quotes, a simple solution to a combination of very complicated problems. Life is complicated. It can stress us out on various different levels. Like I've just said, there are biological factors acting on us, psychological factors and social factors. And all of this can lead to a lot of confusion, a lot of upset, a lot of stress. And suicide or suicidal thoughts can offer us this sense of a solution to these complex problems. It's not a solution that any of us want to consider. And it's not a solution that anybody wants anyone to take. But it is understandable. It's your body and your mind's way of thinking through a lot of difficulty to try and find a solution. So, in a way, it's. This is why I always say suicidality doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like having suicidal thoughts in and of themselves doesn't have to be perceived as negative because it is our body and our mind doing something to help get us out of a position of feeling in pain. But an extension of that is to say that they're not your fault. The fact that you're having suicidal thoughts, it's your brain doing something to try and help you along. And it's not even an invention of your brain. It's not your brain going into quirky mode and being like, oh, let me see if I can if I can really mess with you today. Let me try and sabotage your life. No, those thoughts come from outside of us often. Those thoughts will come as a response to the things that are going on around us in the outside world. They'll come as a reaction to social factors. So none of us are responsible for those things. Yes, I think it's right to have autonomy. And yes, I think it's nice to have a sense of control over how you react to things. And I don't doubt that we'll go into that in a lot more detail in, in future conversations. But to say that you're to blame for experiencing suicidal thoughts is the equivalent of saying it's your fault that these large structures exist outside of yourself. It's to say that 
the financial crisis is your fault. It's to say that sexism is your fault. It's to say that discrimination is your fault. It, it's just ridiculous to me. The number of times I've seen content, even whole books from the self-help community that stray into this negative um, kind of narrative of everything being the responsibility of the individual, it's books, frankly. It's so damaging to be pushing this narrative. And a lot of the time it comes from... Um, the spiritual community are really bad for it. I used to really enjoy reading spiritual content and and seeing uh, reading spiritual books and stuff when I was into self-help books in a really big way. And yeah, I found it really problematic because there is a very extreme minority within that community who push this message of, it's, it's like they take that concept of the law of attraction and they just turn it up to a hundred. So it becomes ridiculous. So if you haven't heard of the law of attraction, it's this principle that says, um, we all operate on a certain level and we, we basically act like little magnets. So the thoughts that you have, the things that you do, the words that you say, it attracts things towards you. So we're basically acting like a magnet and we can change the frequency of the magnet. So we can change the things we attract based on changing our thoughts, our mood, our behavior, etc. Now, I don't disagree with this point on the whole because it makes it we know these kind of people. We know we want to go and help and be around people who are nice to us. We know what that feels like to be attracted to people who are lovely and nice and friendly and happy and upbeat. And we we also have people in our lives who are downbeat. And you know, that's not to say that downbeat people are bad and upbeat people are good. Absolutely not. But you'll you'll feel that pull for yourself of like wanting to be around, you know, air quotes, positivity. And according to this community and the people who follow the law of attraction, that's how the universe kind of acts. It sees certain frequencies and it aligns everybody so that you basically attract more of the things that you're talking about that your your mood kind of attracts different things that's the kind of principle behind it and I just think one that's a very limited way of seeing the complexity of the universe and everything in it I don't know I don't know if everything can be distilled down to something so basic but also like I say this very extreme minority will tout this narrative of people being to blame for the most horrifying things that you'd never imagine I've heard people literally say that people who get cancer have attracted that and they're to blame for it and I just think it's abhorrent it's disgusting and it's just not true <laughs> it's just it baffles me that people can even say it out loud um but I'll attach it to these kind of spiritual principles of well as well of you know, maybe children with cancer, maybe they've done something karmically in a past life to attract that. And it's just like, whoa, I, I'm not here to shit on anyone's beliefs. I'm really not. But to say something so problematic and harmful, that is an opinion, not rooted in any kind of fact or proof and to, to kind of put it out there, it just baffles me. And I've heard people saying these kinds of things that you'd never imagine, like people with very big online followings who basically present themselves as business gurus or coaches or whatever. They have very, very big online followings. They have a lot of clients, allegedly, um, but people that believe them and, and look up to them as people to aspire to. And then they're touting these things, these messages of like, you are to blame for everything in your life. Take some responsibility. And I'm here to just counteract it. I'm a small voice in the grand scheme of things, but I just really want to challenge this because 
the more we listen to those kind of messages, the more we kind of take it on board, especially if it's from people who are very influential, if it, especially if it's people that we look up to. I say it all the time, not just on social media, but like in the business community where you see people, especially ones that are fans of hustle culture saying you have to work yourself into the ground. You have to be willing to sacrifice everything for this. You have to do this, have to, have to, have to, have to. And when we hear these kind of messages again and again and again, we do kind of absorb it and we do take it on board. And I just really want to take the edge off of that really destructive thinking of we are 100% to blame. We are 100% responsible. Yes, we have autonomy. Yes, we can choose. Yes, we have an incredible capacity to do things differently in our lives if we're not happy. Yes, we can manage our suicidal thoughts and yes we can choose not to act on those we can do anything we can do a lot of things I'm not going to say we can do anything because I really I think there are limits <laughs> on, our, on our human potential that's an argument for another day but I just want you to take out of today I just really want to reiterate this point that you are not to blame if you experience suicidal thoughts it is not a hundred percent your fault it's a collaborative thing and it's a case of you reacting to things externally and internally it's a reaction that happens but every reaction needs a combination of components it's not happening in isolation it's not you just imagining something for the sake of imagining something you're reacting to stimuli and they could be internal they could be external but you know taking it right down to your biology even if all of the factors contributing to your suicidal thoughts are biological that's not your fault you're not responsible for your biology you're really not you can manage your body now to varying degrees, depending on your ability and your health levels and things. But you didn't decide when and where to be born and what biological factors led into your hereditary health. You know, you're not responsible for that. And anybody that tells you you are, I really want you to question that other person. <laughs> I really want you to think about, do I believe that? And you might, you might believe in everything I just said about karma and past lives and things. You might believe that. And I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because I don't have any proof that you are, but I really want to challenge you on it because it's harmful for us all to believe that we're 100% responsible for our circumstances, the things that led us to where we are. I do think we can do things differently going forward if we choose to. And it's a much more empowering thought to think I can do things differently and I can, I can choose an alternative from this moment forward. And that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients, obviously as a coach, is looking at your situation and saying, okay, this is where we are. This is where I want to be. This is how I can move forward. But a really big chunk at the beginning of that process is accepting where we are and acknowledging where we are and acknowledging our part in that. But the part that we play in that is not 100% responsibility and culpability. It never will be because none of us operates in isolation. We are all part of a bigger network and we are all influenced by the things that are going on around us, societally, in our relationships, in our environment, etc. So I feel like I've repeated myself a lot in this episode. <laughs> I feel like it's been a bit of a rant, but I really, really just wanted to, to get this point out there and to give it a standalone episode as well where I could focus on it because it's so massively important and I've spoken to a lot of people who have felt suicidal over the over the years you know I've spoken I've worked in suicide prevention for four years both unofficially and officially <laughs> as a hobby whatever you want to call it um but so many of us have had this thought attached to suicidality of like everything is my fault 
either in terms of the suicidal thoughts themselves and thinking I'm responsible for having these suicidal thoughts or just more generally in terms of the way we live our lives and the things that are happening to us. Uh, so many of us have got into that really limited thinking that we're 100% to blame for everything and we're not, you're not. I really, really, really want to reiterate that point. I will say it 100 times. If you need me to tell you 100 times to your ear and a voice note, I will do it. <laughs> just reach out. Um, but yeah, just please take that away from today. Your suicidal thoughts are not your fault. They are your responsibility in the, in the way of handling them. And I hope through this project and through the episodes that you listen to, you'll pick up lots of tools and advice for how to how to navigate those feelings. But this is one little thought for your for your kind of mental toolkit, which I hope will benefit you. If you enjoyed this episode, please do pass it on to someone else who you think could benefit. Um, you can find me on social media. All of my links and stuff will be in the show notes. But I hope this has been beneficial. <laughs> if it has, please let me know. If there's another topic that you'd like me to explore in more detail, please also let me know. This is a very collaborative project and I'm really keen to talk about aspects of suicidality that you might not have heard before, aspects that you find confusing or you'd want more insight on. I really want to bring more experts into the folds to discuss their take on it as well. This is not all about me and my insights. This is a very collaborative project. So if there's anything you'd like me to go into more detail on, you can email me talk at darkcoffee.co.uk. Dark Coffee is my company. Um, so all that said, that's it from me for today. Have a lovely day, whatever you're doing, and I will catch up with you next time. Thank you for listening to Solving Suicide today. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review so we can reach more people or send this episode to someone you think could benefit from it. If you'd like to feedback to me, you can email me at talk at darkcoffee.co.uk. Special thanks to my collaborators who've helped make Solving Suicide possible. All of their information, plus any resources mentioned in today's podcast, will be linked in the show notes. And thank you again for being here. It really helps us to normalise the conversation around suicide. <laughs>